listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. Thanks so much for making us part of your day. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program at Sports Talk coming to you from a faith-based point of view. Seems like for a few days there, the sports world was focused on the New York City area. I have to say city because I know some of you Buffalo fans get upset that they use the New York label. Derek Jeter, Mm -hmm. as fully expected, elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame on his first ballot, though he missed out being only the second player to be unanimously elected by just one vote. Shouldn't be a big deal. You're either in the Hall or you're not. It's not like he's more of a Hall of Famer because he's missed out by only one vote than he, say, somebody like Ozzie Smith, who got obviously less, or anybody else got obviously less. It's not like Jeter's more of a Hall of Famer than those guys, but at the same time, it is kind of a big deal. You know, this would have been historical. And and you kind of go, why? Why would somebody not vote for him? Yeah, and I think what's really causing a lot of the uproar is that the, the one writer who didn't vote for him, to the best of my knowledge, has not revealed himself, has not explained why he didn't. You know, it. a lot of times we see these voters that want to make a statement by not voting for a certain player, not voting for anyone. Last year we had that happen, um, voting for an obscure player. And if it's a guy trying to make a statement, then you're an idiot. Don't make a statement with your Hall of Fame vote. Make a statement on your Twitter handle. You know, like, but if it's a guy that potentially was like, Look, Jeter's going to get in. I want my vote to go to a fringe guy who might be right on the borderline. I would be okay with that. But the fact that this voter hasn't explained himself, I think, is the reason why this is still a big issue. And they do release the the ballots in, in what, a week, two weeks, something like that. But he doesn't necessarily have to have his released. It can remain private. We'll see what happens with that. But the only problem I have with the point you just made is, is there weren't 10 guys that are borderline here. Right. Th- this wasn't a loaded ballot. So you were giving your vote to guys that have no chance to get in. Yeah. They're not going to make it. So why wouldn't you have voted for Jeter? And and again, it shouldn't matter, but it does matter. It matters to me as a Yankee mm-hmm. fan. I'm sure it matters to you. And Derek Jeter will never say it, but it has to matter to him. Yeah, It would have been very nice. Two years in a row, Mariano goes in as unanimous. Derek Jeter goes in as unanimous. I know the argument goes, well, what about Ken Griffey? I can't go back and change the past. If you got a personal vendetta, this is not where you take it out. Right. You don't have to like the guy, but he's a Hall of Fame baseball player. Right. You know, I don't like David Ortiz all that much. But he's a Hall of Fame player. I can't take that away from him. Yeah. I don't like Pedro Martinez all that much. And look, I don't know either of those guys, but what I know of them, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I can't argue with that. So it doesn't matter if I like him. The guy's a Hall of Famer or he's not. So I don't know why somebody wouldn't vote for Derek Jeter. Does it matter to you that he's not, was never ever the best all time shortstop? That doesn't matter. No. That's an argument I've heard. Well, he's not even. A top 10 shortstop. Okay. 
That's mm-hmm. fine, but he's still a Hall of Famer. And that's what I said. When you go back to Ken Griffey and you go back to Cal Ripken and some of these great players, the fact that somebody didn't vote for them was ridiculous. But that longstanding, well, we don't want somebody to be a unanimous decision because Babe Ruth wasn't, that was now broken Yeah, with Mariano Rivera. So you would have thought that, all right, Jeter's a Hall of Famer. Everybody's going to vote for him. I hate the argument that you mentioned that, well, look back over the history of the Hall of Fame and all the guys that should have been unanimous or should have had more votes or took an extra year to get in or whatever. Yeah, that happened back then. And you acknowledge that it was a mistake. So why should we continue to make that mistake year after year and have guys not get the votes that they should get just because so-and-so back in the 70s didn't get the votes they should have gotten? Let's fix that mistake. Vote for the guys who deserve the votes. Let's not make statements. Let's not turn in blank ballots. Let's not vote for Jock Jones again. Let's just vote for the guys who deserve the votes, and that solves the problem. Yeah, if you want to make a baseball argument that you don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And you get a guy like Derek Jeter, there, especially in the ballot that he was on. Not that you have to use 10 name 10 names on your ballot, but right. there's no reason to not vote for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've just, got, just, just isn't. You've got 10 picks. You're telling me there were 10 guys who needed that vote enough that you couldn't give it to Derek Jeter? And going back to where I was saying a minute ago, it shouldn't matter if he's one of the all-time great shortstops. He was one of the all-time great players. He was a Yankee captain. Maybe he wasn't the best at his position. Many years he wasn't even the best on his team, but he was the, he was the overall leader. And over the, the, the body of work in his career, the class guy that he was, the the how many five guys in, in the history of baseball? Five guys have more hits than Derek Jeter. I think that's right. Five guys currently have more hits than Derek Jeter in the history of baseball. The thousands and thousands of thousands of people have played. Mm-hmm. Five guys. Yeah. That's a Hall of Famer. Broke 3,200 hits, five World Series rings, a lengthy career. Um, a clutch hitter, a captain of the New York Yankees. He's checked every box that really you need to see for the Hall of Fame to the point that, you know, it wasn't really in doubt. People were tweeting out a day beforehand or, you know, the the day of the announcement that morning, the Yankees were tweeting out stuff about Jeter going to the Hall of Fame. Everybody knew it was coming. If, if it's that much of a sure thing, which it should be, he should have 100% of the votes. I'm sorry. I personally think that every ballot should be it shouldn't be anonymous. You shouldn't be able to keep it a secret. It yeah. should be revealed who you are, who you voted for, who you write for, who you cover. All that should be given out so that there's some accountability. Yeah, now, and- maybe you have a reason. Maybe there's a reason you didn't vote for Derek Jeter. Right now, all we can do is speculate. So if you have your reason, submit that and tell us. Exactly. That, that's what I was saying at the top of the show is, my opinion of that writer will depend on assuming we ever get an explanation, his explanation. If he just was like, I don't think Derek Jeter should be unanimous. You're a jack wagon. If it's, I needed to give that vote to X player who was on the fringe and might not get in, whatever. Okay. That's a little more plausible. I think, look, the, the fact that we don't get to know all of the voters, that's up to the hall of fame. The, the sports writers association voted to make every ballot public, the Hall of Fame said, no, we don't want to do it. And that's why we're not getting it. I would like to see that policy change because I think we deserve it. I think we deserve to know. The Hall 
doesn't feel the same as you and I. They feel that requiring disclosure would result in, in an impact on people's decisions. Listen, if I have to, and maybe this guy that we're talking about, if I have to disclose why I didn't vote for Derek Jeter, uh, I'm not, I don't want to do that, so I'm going to vote for Derek Jeter. And maybe that's accomplishing what it is we want to accomplish, but it mm-hmm. did, in fact, influence his decision, and that's what the Hall doesn't want. But I, I, I disagree with their feeling on yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's a catch-22 because maybe if you're going to disclose everyone's ballots, people will feel more pressure to vote for the chalk candidates. But on the flip side, not making them reveal their ballots allows people to do things like vote for J.J. Putz or Jock Jones. So yeah, it's not going to be a perfect system either way. So I would just err on the side of disclosure. Just tell us why. Don't leave it out there to speculate. And that's the the thing people will talk about all the time. If you have, if you want to get the media to stop talking about you, then, then present your case. Up until then, they are they're going to answer for you. What's the old saying? You give them an answer, or they're going to answer for you. Yeah. Don't us, let that yeah. happen. Give us an answer, and then set your Twitter to private for a week. <laughs> Derek Jeter made a name for himself by never saying anything controversial. It's not that he wouldn't say anything at all. It's that he wouldn't give the media anything that would end up on the opponent's bulletin board or on the back pages of the newspaper. Even after missing the Hall of Fame, by just one vote, Jeter offered no insight into what, at least in my opinion, was really going on in his mind. He was asked if he wanted to know the identity of the single voter who didn't cast a ballot in his favor. And Jeter responded, see, that's where our minds are a little different. I focus on the ones that did. It takes a lot of people to all agree to get you to this point. So I'm not thinking about that. I'm happy to be sitting up on this stage right now. And that's something that just doesn't cross my mind. He gives them something, but he's smart enough to give them something on his terms. The words we use they have power. In fact, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. When we are right with God and we're abiding in Christ, his spirit is evident in our lives and the things we say and the things we do. We should, with intention, focus on making sure that our words are kind and that they're full of love, and then that our actions support those words. In Proverbs chapter 10, we see some different characteristics of righteous words. We should avoid negative speech. That's a good start. But we really need to replace the negativity with something positive, encouraging words, uplifting words. Proverbs 10.13 says, On the lips of the discerning wisdom, is found. And verse 19 says, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Not only is it wisdom to say the right thing, sometimes it's wisdom to not say anything. Verse 21 says, the lips of a righteous person is nourishing to those who need it. We all come in contact from time to time with those people who just, they always seem to say the right thing, something that you need to hear. Proverbs 10.21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a lack of understanding. And in verse 31 and 32, it says that the words of a righteous person, they bring forth wisdom and things which are acceptable. Our congratulations to Derek Jeter for being a Hall of Fame baseball player. And if there were such a thing, he'd have our vote for being in the Hall of Fame 
of guarding his words. Perhaps we can all work to make such a hall, allowing our words to encourage other people and to glorify God in the process, replacing negative speech with positive, encouraging speech so that people are uplifted when they talk to us. Just a quick thought before we take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our focus on the New York City area. In addition to our discussion of Derek Jeter, we're going to talk about Eli Manning. And not just whether or not he's a Hall of Famer, that may be a discussion for another day, but whether or not he was the most valuable quarterback to his own franchise. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We just got done talking about Hall of Famer Derek Jeter, and I'm not sure Zach and I agree yet. We've got time to debate it. But another guy that I think will be a Hall of Famer is New York Giants quarterback Eli Manning. Here's this guy that, despite a great career, the ending hasn't exactly been the Hollywood script he may have wanted. After 16 seasons, two Super Bowl MVPs, Eli Manning is retiring. He's 39 years old. He leaves holding nearly every passing record in team history. He's one of just five players in the NFL history with at least two Super Bowl MVPs. He joins Montana, Bart Starr, Terry Bradshaw, and, of course, Tom Brady. But he ends his career 
as the Giants' backup quarterback. Now, when he was sat down in favor of Geno Smith, that made no sense at all. That was crazy. That was a terrible miscalculation. Was not received well by Manning, wasn't received well by the fans. It wasn't even received well by team ownership. It likely played a part in head coach Ben McAdoo losing his job. But sitting behind the young high draft pick of Daniel Jones, who could be the future for the New York Giants, well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I don't like it. Behind you here in the studio, his jersey hangs. Look, I'm a fan. I don't want to see him as a backup. He retires ranked in the top 10 all time. Among all NFL quarterbacks in completions, attempts, passing yards, touchdown passes, his 234 starts for the Giants is fourth by a quarterback for a single franchise uh, behind Brady, Brett Favre, and Dan Marino. This is, this is a legend, especially in New York. He never missed a game because of injury. He started a consecutive 210 games. The debate on whether or not he's in the Hall of Fame will continue until... That debate is eventually decided with his inauguration into Canton. His (laughs) career stats, his incredible postseason runs, twice including championships and Super Bowl MVPs and fourth quarter comebacks. Uh, To me, it's more than enough. It's not a debate, but we'll save that for another show. What I wonder, has Eli Manning been as important to the New York Giants over his career as has any other quarterback to their franchise. And obviously the first one that comes to mind is Tom Brady, given the number of Super Bowls, championships, and, and Super Bowl MVPs. But other than Brady, I can think of no quarterback more valuable to his own franchise than Manning was to the Giants. First off, the Giants don't win those Super Bowls without Manning, in my mind. They don't get to the Super Bowl. The one year that he got, well, both years went through Green Bay, if I remember right. One of them was, I remember being bitter cold, like something like stupid cold. I remember that, yeah. And then another year, the championship, one of those was the championship game. I think the bitter cold game. Another one, the championship game was in San Francisco, and they beat the snot out of him. And then he still led that fourth quarter comeback in the Super Bowl. The, The Giants were able to win that game despite getting Manning beat up. Those were the two of the biggest upsets, those two Super Bowl wins over the Patriots in Super Bowl history. So in my mind, I can't think of, uh, can you, any quarterback that was as important to his own franchise? Yeah, probably not in this era. In this era, that's, there's a select few. Like you said, Brady, Manning, probably Phillip Rivers in terms of longevity with one team. You know, Aaron Rodgers is in that boat now, but there's not... And I think of those guys, Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl. Yeah. Phillip Rivers has none. And these guys that, yes, they're legendary quarterbacks, but um, is Rivers legendary? Here's the Rivers I brought up specifically because he and Manning, remember, were traded for each other at the draft. And my issue with Manning is that I think a lot of, like his biggest thing is the Super Bowls, right? That he won the two Super Bowls, beat the Patriots twice. That's where his bread is buttered, really, in terms of his stardom or Hall of Fame candidacy or whatever. And I think that a lot of that was, look, he made the throws when he had to make the throw to Tyree, the helmet catch. Some of those throws were absolutely fantastic throws. But I feel like a lot of that was him being along for the ride on a team that had an elite defense, had playmakers around him. And I kind of feel like if you had swapped 
Manning and Rivers back to their original team and Rivers was the quarterback of the Giants, they might have still won those Super Bowls. Now, you as a Giants fan probably feel differently and would know better than I would, but do you feel that same way? I don't. And I'll tell you why. Because Manning and fourth quarter comebacks, this is not uncommon for Eli Manning. He's yeah. he's done it a lot. And as a Giants fan, especially, this is like a guy that had two careers. Mm-hmm. The first half of, of his career, the second half. What was it? Up through... 2011, 2012, maybe, and then after that. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was exceptional because the team was very good. He has a well above 500 record. You had confidence if your team was down that you're going to come back and win this football game because mm-hmm. you got Eli Manning at quarterback. Yeah. I don't know that Phillip Rivers instills that. Again, I, what do I do? I follow the Chargers? No, but I don't know that he instills that same confidence. I don't know that anybody instills that confidence that that Manning did to me as a Giants fan. Mm-hmm. Now, the second half of his career, man, he spent a lot of time being chased down. He was on the run. He was upside down. The poor guy. And he's not just, a guy that you want to see running around. No. He kind of runs point. like he has poop in his pants. Yeah, and he's not. He's, that's not his game. So when you say that he rode a strong defense, I don't know that I agree because the first half of the year, the first half of his career – he did. They had they had good teams. The second half of his career, they really didn't. And I think he mm-hmm. t- takes a hit from that. His consistency takes a hit from that. And you look at some of his stats. My thing with Eli Manning, what I'll always remember is the fourth quarter comebacks, mm-hmm. the postseason runs, and the confidence that he instilled in his team. The, he was never flustered. He walked out there, and you thought, and I'm sure his teammates thought, they all say this, you thought you were going to win a football game, and you were in every football game. So I I don't know that I agree with that. And I think, you know, what I started to do is I started to think about the Super Bowl years for the Patriots, Mm -hmm. who the backup were in each of those years. And my intention was to prove that, well, you know, you could have substituted anybody for Brady and maybe you'd still win. I failed in that. That wasn't <laughs> the case. Because I don't believe you could substitute anybody for Manning and have the thing. I believe those Super Bowls rest squarely on Eli Manning, which makes him a legend to the Giants. Now, you look around the league and you take some of these other quarterbacks. Like you mentioned, Rivers has none. Rodgers has one. Some of these other guys, you could substitute in somebody else and still be successful. I don't know that Manning, um, you have that same luxury. Yeah, you might be right. I think what some of those fourth quarter comebacks that Manning was so known for revealed that drive that he had to be the best. That drive to be the best, even striving to be the most valuable player on your team, works in the arena of sport. Of course, there's a fine line there somewhere. Playing hard, applying yourself to be the best is 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 fine so long as you're still working with your teammates. Too many times we've seen terrific athletes who actually end up being a detriment to their team because they value themselves over the wholesale good of the team. I don't think that was Manning, and I think that's what separates him and makes him so valuable to the Giants as compared to other quarterbacks to their team. It's really the old debate about what MVP really means. Is it most valuable to his team, or is it being the best player in the league? The same principle applies in the workplace and even especially within ministries. Do great things, but don't be a lone wolf who doesn't value the rest of the team. Your efforts to be great shouldn't come at the expense of the rest of the team. 
We hear labels such as team player, phrases such as team effort. As a quarterback, Eli Manning knows he can only be as good as the offensive line in front of him. In my mind, that is a significant reason he struggled some in the last few years of his career. He really didn't have a good line in front of him. It's teamwork that enables good players to be great, bringing out the best in one another. To be honest, excellence is really too rare a commodity for a team to excel because of one player's ability. Far too often, there are some typically quite gifted players who are trying to do everything themselves. Regardless of their mastery and their level of excellence, those who think they don't need anyone else are not only poor teammates, they're, they're not following biblical principles. Being able to work as part of a team takes humility. It takes maturity. One of the many amazing things about God is that even though he doesn't need us, he chooses to allow us to be part of his work and then even blesses us for doing it. Jesus Christ didn't need anyone, and yet he worked as part of a team, empowering his disciples to do things they never would have imagined. That group of men, all, all, every one of them, full of faults, none excellent really in any way, not only led masses of people to Jesus, but they also invested themselves in others, helping them grow into mature believers. And because of their effort, the world was turned upside down and their faith has been passed on for over 2,000 years. God has called each of us to serve him and has equipped us uniquely for the task as part of a team. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If you're a believer in Christ, let me encourage you to put your gift in action. If you've never taken the time to investigate your gift, pray about it. Perhaps take a spiritual gifting class to help you identify some areas that you could best be utilized by God. Reach out to us here at the program if we can be any help in pointing you in the right direction. The website is btgprogram.com. Be yourself, be innovative, but include others and help them reach their full potential as well as they are a help to you. Mistakes will likely be made along the way for sure, but hold one another accountable, encourage one another, and learn from one another. Create an environment on your team, at your workplace, in your ministry where people feel loved, supported, and appreciated. Trust God more as you learn to trust others. A team that is working together in unity enjoys camaraderie and team spirit, as well as an excitement about what God is doing in and through each individual member of that team. Well, we've reached the end of our show. I want to thank you so much for being with us and remind you that the Beyond the Game program is mainly a listener-supported radio ministry. Thanks to all of you who have given of your time, of your treasures, in bringing the good news of the Bible to sports fans all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. Please continue to keep us in your prayers, and if God lays it on your heart to make a financial commitment to this ministry, whether it's a one-time gift or, or a recurring amount, visit our website. Once again, that website is btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again real soon. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Be bold.